Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome to Scream Queen, a podcast about scary movies. From people not typically depicted in scary movies. Drea, we're back. Season four, we're in the studio. It's been a really long time. The last time we were in the studio was literally right before coronavirus. Do you remember that? The day before. Yeah. And we were talking about like, oh, we'll sanitize with uh, white claws and shit. (laughs) Mm, That came back to bite us in the end. (laughs) I still support white claws. (laughs) (laughs) That is the only supportive white power. Uh, yeah, so we're back in the studio. We're reintroducing our show with three segments that we had in the first two seasons. Um, we've got some new segments for y'all, like uh, Damn Bitch, where we talk about particularly gruesome kills. So, Miss Christy Angus as Adrian and Jason 10. One of the most iconic kills of all time. I thought about doing this sequence, damn bitch, whenever we clock anybody who dies in an iconic way, because there are so many cool kills in scary movies that we might never even get to, because we might not want to even talk about that movie. And Jason X is one of them, because Jason X is a mess. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This was at a time in the Jason uh, saga where they were like, what do we do now? We've taken Jason to Manhattan. We've taken Jason to hell. Where else could we take him? Space! And uh, Drea and I were recently interviewed by the um, Queer for Fear documentary that will be coming out on Shudder later. And they liked to articulate in the early 2000s, sort of around 9-11, there was this sort of f 150 and this broification of horror. And I feel like Jason X was right at the boundary of that. It was like right before that whole broification happened. So this was the kind of last campy Jason we got. And it also leaned more into the supernatural, uh, his supernatural origins. Correct me if I'm wrong, but initially, like in the beginning, the government wanted to capture him to try to synthesize some medicine from his body or some shit. They thought his his cells processed in a way that would regenerate body parts and shit like that. Yeah, so they wanted to turn him into some snail cream or some shit. And um, he ended up getting a suspended animation. He went into space. So Adrian is a scientist in a crop top. (laughs) (laughs) She she got gloves on in a crop top. In a crop top. (laughs) And she's analyzing some cells of some shit and Jason is lying prostrate on a table ostensibly he's frozen but we know he ain't and every time he kind of moves she does that thing where she's like (gasps) turns around and nothing's there (gasps) turns around nothing's there what could it be? <gasps> Turns around then he's choking a bitch out like there's like a brief struggle before he implants her face into some liquid nitrogen freezes her face and only her face solid in a very short period of time (laughs) and then smashes her face on a cold metal table so you just see like red chunks flying everywhere and it's violent it is really really violent like Like, it was done like kind of too well it's very it it just kind of comes out of nowhere yeah and i i think i was 15 when i first saw that kill and i was just like that 
that that was very violent. Because <laughs> like, you know, you're used to at this point people being impaled in various ways by machetes. You know what I mean? Like every now and then you'll get a hatchet to the face. I, for whatever reason, like in horror movies, like face kills are so much more visceral to me. Anything to like when you're up close and personal with somebody yeah sometimes like you know a homegirl in scream 4 when she caught the knife through her hand Mm -hmm. like through hands and through eyes are the ones that really get me but like full face and we'll get into this later with our main topic discussion but like full face kills they just do something to me we're like that is because it's isolated on the face i'm like Mm -hmm. ma this makes me money (laughs) (laughs) uh i noticed that jason seems to be somewhat of a scientist because he knew exactly where to put her head at and what would happen if he did that with her head. I guess we never knew this. Jason Voorhees in a previous life went to medical school. And I think he would be pro-vaccine. <laughs> Get the jab, okay? Get it. <laughs> so, Christy Angus, you're going down as our first damn, damn bitch. bitch. <laughs> All right, Dre, do you want to get into our main topic discussion? Oh, yes. Let's do this. It's uh, Fear Street, Mm -hmm. 1994, 1978, and 1666. Ooh, you see what they did there? I would have liked it was 1669, but that's just me. (laughs) I know. I know. They really missed that (laughs) opportunity there. They took it out for a horny bitch, so. (laughs) (laughs) So, Tommy. These shits were good. Very. The Fear Street trilogy came out on Netflix, kind of piecemeal i watched them as they came out like the day they came out each one um not knowing how interconnected they would end up being and then recently went through and watched them all at once and it's a pretty solid trilogy yeah i think you have reservations about the first one had had yeah from its being kind of derivative um of some kills that we have definitely seen i also think it went in a direction that was unexpected refreshing and neutered the patriarchy (laughs) exactly (laughs) couldn't have said it better myself my reservations that i i will maintain about this film Mm -hmm. the opening Mm -hmm. that was not an homage that was a straight up scream ripoff like, I was so confused. They killed that lady <laughs> the same exact way they killed Drew Barrymore. So many things were exactly the same mm-hmm. about this, that whole opening sequence. There was too much going on that was too similar. That is Ethan Hawke and uh, Uma Thurman's daughter. And she she got dead real good. <laughs> <laughs> Vocab, vocabulary. <laughs> Thank you. I, I didn't read anything about this. I didn't watch any trailers. I didn't listen to any podcasts. So I came into the Fear Street trilogy mm-hmm. completely uh, dumb. As you started watching it, what were you expecting? And were those expectations surmounted, perverted, put off? Like, what happened to you as you were watching it? My expectations were were met. Mm-hmm. And then some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was super duper impressed with this film. Like the practical effects, the the storyline, the fact that it actually really does cohesively tie together. You don't have to watch all three parts to understand the value of each individual film. But when you watch them interconnected, it's a whole viewing experience. It changes it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, they nailed all the all, all our classic horror films that we grew up loving. They got all that campiness like literally down 
And um, not literally down. That sounds stupid. Uh, <laughs> I like, want to be down. I want to be down. <laughs> uh, they got all that shit down. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, there was one thing I read out there. I Again, I try to avoid reviews and shit like that um, as much as I can. And they talked about like it was exploitative towards teenagers. But that was the fucking point. <laughs> that was intentional. What like, does that even mean? They're saying like that they sexualized teenagers. Oh my god, have you seen American cinema uh, uh, at in general all at yes, all? Exactly. Horny kids at sleepaway camp get it in. Mm-hmm. We have been knowing this since at least first Friday the thirteenth, if not the burning and before. Mm-hmm. So come on now. I will say I was disappointed that nobody hot had sex. <laughs> I wasn't turned on by any of the men in any of these movies. I, I, I can't think of a single one where I was like, mm, 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 not that mm. sheriff, not no, nobody. <laughs> no. Not so, even, wait, not even your doppelganger, Tommy? <laughs> bitch, boo. <laughs> that murderous son of a bitch. No. Here's what I will say. Okay, let, let's go through 94. Because... I did like it, but I was perturbed by the fact that the two friends lived so long, I thought they were going to survive. Yeah, that that was the main thing that I had my reservations about. As a whole, with part two and three, it works for me, mm-hmm. that death. Well, I will say what is Those notable deaths. about this film or this trilogy is that the, the screen queen, the final girl, is a lesbian. Yeah. And... We've never seen this before. We've never seen a, a lesbian woman helm, or I don't know how the actress actually identifies, but in, in terms of the character, a lesbian helm a trilogy, a horror trilogy. And like Latina. Man Latina. And it was really refreshing to see that the roots of the Seraphir curse, which they always said it was the witch of Seraphir. She was the one who put this curse in motion, but it wasn't her. Mm-hmm. It was man. It was mm-hmm. a man. It was dirty, grubby men who resented her lesbian relationship in 1666. Mm-hmm. Could have been 1669 if you ask me, but it was 1666. <laughs> and that really you see how the suppression of women and of uh, different sexualities, how how that crimination, like... Um, you can't suppress it. It just comes up in different ways and it can come up in, you know, cause it's like, you, we've been oppressed, but we've always been here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so some things like the protests that happen or laws that like, that they seem like, I don't know, that they bubbled up from, they bubble up from somewhere very particular. They bubble up because we have been oppressed and suppressed in silence for so long that it's like, once you get a platform and a microphone, bitch, I'm going to yell. And I feel like that's kind of what this was saying, that like Sarah Fear had been her her memory had been maligned for so long that she had been seen as a witch and somebody who was cursing the town when all she ever wanted was to be free. Mm-hmm. You know, um, iconic kill. 1994, the friend, the cheerleader friend who gets what was that? What was that? Was that a sandwich machine? What it was, was it? a bread slicer? Oh, yeah. Talk about a face kill. Oh my god! Oof. <clears throat> yeah, talking about getting head. That <laughs> that one sticks with me. Again, it happens at the end, mm-hmm. technically. Mm-hmm. When you look at it, it's just one film, mm-hmm. it's completely out of left field. Mm-hmm. And and normally you would not do that. Have these friends make it all the way to the very end like that? 
Because they had almost died several times. Uh huh. Like at the times when they almost died, that was like the beat that they would have died in a normal and, ninety yes, minute scary movie. They wouldn't die fifteen minutes, twenty minutes in, you mm-hmm. know. But to kill them like that, it really it it fucks with you. It fucks with me. Yeah. Because I thought, oh, these these are the homies. Like they're yeah. gonna ride, and they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't. Um. Um. One other reservation I had just. Just a quick one that they slipped in there that was not okay. There is a scene uh, where homegirl is babysitting these two twin black girls. Mm. And she has them divide up these pills for drugs (laughs) as fucking Snoop Dogg or something's playing in the background. And she's like, yeah, just, oh, don't take that because, you know, it'll fuck you up. But she basically makes these little black girls drug dealers. <laughs> and I just, and then they don't make any acknowledge, acknowledgement towards it. I'm just like, uh, I caught that shit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was not okay. That was, yes, that was a misstep, babysitter. Uh, big, big, big misstep. I, I mean, director or whoever wrote that into mm-hmm, the script. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did you feel about the 70s one, the camp I really liked it. I thought that is an homage. That is how you do that. The way that they showed the, uh, what is he, the Nightwing killer or the origin of his character, the way it all comes to be is, it's really fucking cool. And we get to see the lair Mm -hmm. a little bit. Why did that short haired girl touch that goo? I don't get it. She was she was drawn to it. That's the only way I can explain it. Mm. But the way they they show it is just like, ooh, goo, let me put my hands on it. (laughs) Um, another, this isn't a kill, but a brutal injury that always gets me is when somebody falls on their ankle and their bone pops out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. I mean, and of course she's, she's running around screaming, not helping the situation. And then she breaks her goddamn ankle Mm-mm. and then she, her big butt breaks the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so we find out that the layer of Seraphir, a part of it is above the outhouse of the camp. And so you could put a bucket down the toilet and grab some people. <laughs> here is a glaring inconsistency and i made you go back and forth when we was at your apartment she's to watch this in the yeah she's just up in there but i know what you're gonna say so the red-headed stepchild the main character of the of the uh, camp version of fear street yes um is a much maligned you know girl she's uh from the stranger things um mm-hmm. trilogy and her, she has like her main enemy in one of the popular girls, dark haired popular girl, dark haired popular girl, and her come to blows in the outhouse. Redhead stepchild knocks her out, and then we never see her again. She, she doesn't just, even get killed. Yeah, well, you know, they I don't know why they say everybody died at that camp because not everybody died. Mm-mm. A and lot so, of them got away on I, that school you, bus. You see where she is, she's just knocked out in the back. That, and that's all. And they just leave her in that stall. But I was like, she's such a bitch. Why didn't they we kill didn't her? We didn't get any redemption. Well, we, we did. They they locked her in the outhouse for a while and they put all those bugs on her. And she completely, I mean, that was supposed to be enough, technically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For her burning her and tying her to a fucking tree. <laughs> I just did not get her extreme vitriol. Was she just like jealous of that red hair? I don't know. She does have some nice hair. It's very she nice. She has some, it's brushed. Quaffed. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, so... I liked the the camp um, version of this. I was satisfied, I guess, with the kill. Oh, but they kept killing babies. Oh, they, they killed so many children. The, the three kids with no lantern killed. <laughs> the boy the, with the, the glasses. Kid with glasses oh killed. God, poor that little was boy. Really mean. I mean, at least but they didn't what... show it on screen. But like, you saw people discover 
the dead kids. And yeah. I was like, this is a bold choice for a young adult novel turned into a film. <laughs> I mean, they fucking went for it. They really I, did. I mean, but the, I mean, it's Fear Street, so it's they're allowed to kind of go that far. It's not Goosebumps. Right, because you know? Fear Street was like the, if you if you were kind of bored with Goosebumps, you did the Fear Street or the Christopher Pike bullshit, mm-hmm. right? And this was like a little bit more, because in Goosebumps, yeah. nobody really dies. Like very rarely, I mean, the kids get yeah. scared, but they never really die. But Fear Street, you were like, oh, "I'm gonna read somebody die." Yeah, yeah. There's a, it's like ghost cheerleaders and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, sp- spooky. Christopher Pike and the Midnight Club and all that bullshit. Midnight Club. What I didn't like about the second movie, <sighs> Homeboy does CPR to save the redheaded stepchild. Like, I'm sorry. Like, if she had maybe been drowned and submerged you could do CPR she was stabbed in the chest by that I think I, he he said a spell to her I think that's why she survived uh, that's I'm pretty sure that's what happened in the, I think in the third film they show that he says some kind of something to her when she's dying uh, there's no way like CPR chest can. compressions don't work on stab wounds no <laughs> I'm pretty sure it doesn't work I, I ain't no doctor but <laughs> I ain't got no degrees but I can tell you chest compressions do not work on stab wounds yeah I mean and that that whole knife attack in the field with her and her sister oh, that is was brutiful. so crazy that was brutiful beautiful and brutal yes, brutiful I just made up a new word to, Oof. best way to describe that Oh, and then homegirl who broke her ankle, she got stabbed in the back. That or no, no, she got stabbed in the front after she she had her back turned. What I what I liked about that because like I loved so 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 short hair girl with a broken ankle was initially at odds with redhead stepchild's big sister, and but they, it turns out they had been friends when they were children that they had become estranged because redhead stepchild's sister was like a perfectionist and all this kind of stuff. But I like the fact that they redeemed their friendship during the course of the film and they came together at the end, even though they both ended up dead. But I liked that that character development for them. I liked that they rekindled their friendship. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I, and then it was really shitty when it just, it, I mean, but nobody was safe. And, yeah. and at least that was pretty clear. Like nobody's gonna make it out of this alive. That's the thing about um, that that sort of I don't know what kind of irony it is, like dramatic or otherwise, but it's like the one where going into it, we knew no one was gonna live mm-hmm. because that's the way that oh, what's her name from Community? Whoever the actress was, like yeah, she, I forget her name, but, but she name. was she was um she told the story to these kids and she was like, yeah, this is nobody left. My sisters died. My sister died. So we Jillian already, Jacobs. Jillian Jacobs. Yeah. So we knew we knew that everyone's gonna die. How did you feel about 1666? Uh, I I thought I wasn't going to like it, but and I was like, oh, straight up, this is the witch or whatever. Um, but minus homegirl's accent. <laughs> oh, that was interesting. You didn't have to go there. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could. I mean, yeah. It was there, so it I was, said it. She, it came out of her mouth and into my ears. So. Minus, I, I was able to get past that because the story was that interesting. Like, I forgot that her accent wasn't that amazing mm-hmm. or or like that some of it didn't even quite make sense, you know, like her brother being there and mm-hmm, his, mm-hmm. his accent. It was just it didn't matter because it was again, the story was strong enough. It was like Bridgerton comes to Fear Street. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that it it halfway through it splits into something else and then we're, we're back mm-hmm. to 94, which is really cool. How did you feel about how they did? Again, this trilogy is really comfortable killing children. Oh, the, so you're talking about <laughs> yeah, the, the church. When, when they get to the church and yeah. all them kids' eyes got scooped out or whatever. Yeah. The fuck? 
Yeah. I mean, the killer montage that they go through, there's um, there's like Billy uh, Baker or Billy Barker who killed his brothers in their sleep with the bat. And then there's the milkman who went crazy and he sliced uh, some housewives to death. And yeah. And then they go through that that priest who lost his mind mm-hmm. and then gouged his eyes out and everybody, all the kids eyes out. It's it's really the, the visuals are really, really intense. Anytime I see a period piece set in the 1600s, like you said, the witch or something like that or mm-hmm. the crucible, mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for everyone to turn on the women. Exactly. I was like, when? OK, when's this going to happen? When when are we stringing up witches? Yeah. <laughs> when are they going to blame this on a bitch? Like. Like it's mm-hmm. net, it's always coming. I feel like that's the threat of movies set at that period because you know whether it's like a metaphor for McCarthyism or whatever, it's still like female power is seen as abhorrent and needing to be curtailed and like needing to be like um, snuffed out, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just in 1666. What you see is that. Uh, in every era, there that type of suppression exists. The redhead girls getting persecuted in 78, and then you've got homegirls who can't be, live and be together and exist uh, from Shadyside to Sunnyvale, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like it never goes away in some way, shape, or form. That was a little bit Riverdale to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the South Side and the North Side or whatever. Like, And I, I got that like 94, because I remember 94, <laughs> Um it 94 was shot and depicted in a way that was a little bit nostalgic, but very current. Like, um, it reminded me of this, the bathroom scene in Booksmart or movies like that, where it's, they, they take place, con- they're contemporary, all gender restrooms, like very progressive, like da, 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 da. And I felt like 94 was shot and conceived of that way but it wasn't actually 1994 because like i remember 94 that shit was homophobic as fuck like you would they were you would be in men and women's in the same restroom like uh-uh. that wouldn't happen like that uh-uh. <laughs> yeah i was like oh that's cute they're taking liberty with certain things did you suspect because i started to suspect after the first two movies that that cop was into some shady shit yeah yeah there was things that they alluded to from the very first film. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I was always looking at him. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. I had no. I didn't know what it was going to be. But yeah, he looked suspect. He was sus. Mm-hmm. Did you suspect the twist that it was him and his line that were the focus of the the magic and all that kind of stuff? I I, I saw it coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, not not like long before, but I it it all added up, and I was like, I think I know where this is kind of headed. Mm-hmm. So. I wasn't surprised that Sarah Fear was, it, you know, she wasn't behind it all. It was, it was that motherfucker. How did you feel about <laughs> like this sort of post-racial 1666? Uh, again, that's what I'm saying. Her brother being there, and I'm just like, what is happening? Y'all are just take, just being off kind of willy nilly with you it. Know, it's so <laughs> mixedish. Like it was like, okay, so you're gonna pepper in some people of color in this every now and then. Like we're not going to address slavery but we can have a couple brown faces in this i guess yeah we'll address homophobia but mm-hmm. not slavery mm-hmm. <laughs> an interesting american legacy <laughs> to say the least uh. so at, in, in sort of the middle to three quarters through 1666 we get back into 1994 mm-hmm. how did you feel about its ending and coming back into the quote-unquote present like how do you feel like that was dealt with great yeah, yeah it all worked everything was encapsulated quite well i again i'm really like i was surprised at how good these films were and um 
It just means that there's more good shit on the way. The the practical effects, I can't get over like how there was a really good balance between that and whatever, you know, special effects they threw up in there. Mm-hmm. Like it never, it was never too overdone with the special effects. What I get, so I'm, I'm working on a show right now and they're talking, I'm in like props meetings and they like to do practical effects when it comes to like puncturing wounds, mm-hmm. but they don't like to do practical blood because it's harder to reset. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes what you'll see is the puncture is practical, but the blood is VFX. Mm-hmm. Because like it just takes too long to clean up when you have to do another take. Yeah. And I, was, and I understand that. Yeah, they, they used a mix. I think mostly that was all practical blood. Like I think for the most part. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's messy. Yeah. It's super fucking. And like John Wick, one of, like, not to get too off track, but like, they were able to get away with a certain rating because of how they shot. You know, pe- people were getting taken out, but the blood didn't. It looked like a video game. It didn't look like. Oh, that's like Black Christmas. Remember, because that was PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. They had that. They had the whole mystical thing, and that the blood was black. Yeah. So they could get away with PG thirteen. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, if you make the blood look fake, you know, the way it splatters and all that, then it just it takes you out of yeah. the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, there are ways to do it, though. I have seen it done very well. How do you think the Fear Street trilogy stacks up against other contemporary horror films that um, indict the patriarchy? And I'm thinking specifically about the new Craft movie and the new Black Christmas. Well, this film, these films succeeded where those films failed. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The, the indictment of the patriarchy didn't feel as shoehorned in. As like the craft and and Black Christmas kind of felt, I always felt like that like that's what they were going for. Mm-hmm. In this one, I got fun story, cool characters, awesome kills, and then that it wasn't like like it was it didn't feel um, it didn't feel preachy. It didn't feel like it was an afterthought. It felt deeply ingrained into the premise of the film without mm-hmm. having to come out every five minutes and be like message. You know? Yeah, exactly. Again, you didn't even know it was going in that direction until way later into the films. So, yeah, I it's unfortunate what happened with those other two films. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad they exist, and yeah. they, you know, and I and it just means that they can try it again if they want to, or make something new. Yeah. You know, like this, make something different. You not, don't have not to. Everything has it. to be IP. We don't have to do a remake or a no. reboot. That's right. again what I really, really appreciated about this is that it was something new. Yeah. You can't be completely original. Mm -hmm. It's just impossible. Yeah. I mean, in certain genres, especially like in this horror genre, like, no, you're pulling from things. You're inspired by other people. That is what brought you into this this whole genre to begin with. So, yeah, like you have to uh, pay pay due or recognize those that came before you. Right. And there's a difference between being inspired by and being derivative of. Mm-hmm. And these films felt very inspired by. And as a person, you know, who loves horror, we do a fucking scary movie podcast. Like it really pulled on three distinct types of horror. Right. We've got the slasher, like the 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 the, the small town slasher. We've got the camp. And then we've got, you know, the witch thing. And those are all vi- like those have had their heydays. They all come from very different time periods. So it was really nice to get a contemporary spin on those and to feel 
both nostalgic, which is what they were going for, but then also dilated. Like I saw something new, you know, I saw something fun. And some of those like, oh God, they killed so many children. (laughs) (laughs) It was just some of these things I did not, like I have not seen before of the um, sort of supernatural serial killers. Did you have a favorite or one that you thought was most scary? Because that baby face looking thing was, that took me out. Yeah. 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 I mean, they never showed what the Humpty Dumpty killer looked like. And I, but I wonder what it, but that sounds really scary. <laughs> you, know, you can make that up. You know what it looks like in your head. It'll look good. <laughs> it'll look like a big ass egg. <laughs> they all looked really awesome. The, the girl with the fucked up face and the blades, mm-hmm. she was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the little boy and the milkman probably scared me the most. Uh, I don't do that. How about, so for you, it was. I mean, because because the dude with the bag on his head, I mean, that's, we've seen that before. Yeah. In other horror movies. Um, I mean, that's that's Jason. Yeah. Jason and what was it, Town the Dreaded Sundown, some other things like that. Like, yeah. they've got like the bag face killer. But it was, you're a, right. It, it, but it's incidental origin, I thought was really cool. And just like little things like that were definitely VFX. I think that were VFX, but like him breathing, you know, him his mouth impression on the bag, I thought was well, like really cool. Well, when she pulled his face mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and and imprinted, you could see his eyes sunken in. And yeah, all the, like the mold of his face, It that's when it became like, it it took it turned it changed him or something because all of a sudden he could see through this yeah he yeah, was yeah. guided by something else. All right, Drea, we've gotten into the third act of our show, our Scream Queen of the Week. Do you want to announce Celeste O'Connor and Misha? Oshirovic as Nyla and Josh in Freaky. Freaky! I was not expecting this movie. Directed by Christopher Landon, written by Michael Kennedy and Christopher Landon, two queer men, really lended a queer sensibility to this film. I know they like to say that it's a mix of Freaky Friday and Friday the 13th, but to be honest with you, it was the hot chick. Like, the hot chick, which is a derivative of Freaky Friday, but the hot chick is definitely, like, pretty girl switches body with, like, swarthy middle-aged man and there's even like the in in the hot chick there's like the weird kiss between um vince vaughn no not vince vaughn vince vaughn is the it was rob schneider and like one of the one of those one of those brothers what are they he was in blossom oh like a joey whatever yeah yeah yeah. one of his brothers like they have this weird almost kiss but it was like it was kind of like that so i feel like freaky is a mix of the hot chick and Friday the 13th. What did you what did you think of this one? Well, I did not know you were so well versed in the hot chick. <laughs> Let's start with that. Um <laughs> that's a different topic. Um mainly just with these characters, it was I, I appreciate that at least Nyla, her character was just a normal, regular black girl. Mm-hmm. Um Josh, on the other hand, they went all the way stereotype with him. Like, like really? I don't that person doesn't exist. Like that is not a real person. <laughs> Except when the football player, the homophobic football player kind of takes him aside and is like, you want to get on this? I was like, I have been in that, that position. That's that's real. I believed times. that moment. <laughs> but the rest of all his other isms and all that, it was just too much. Like mm-hmm, he was mm-hmm. already naturally funny. And whoever wrote for him clear it felt like that they weren't queer so you're homophobic is what you're saying i'm coming out as <laughs> as a homophobe i'm announcing it on the podcast i am a queer homophobe you know what's interesting about about freaky 
is that tonally it's very specific, but it, it to me it rides a very thin line because it is silly, but also quite brutal. Like I was it's not expecting brutal. the severity of the kills. That for that first scene with that lady when he is smashing her head under the toilet seat. Yeah. Oh. Well, the first scene is actually the bottle down the throat and then smashed into the neck is the first scene. Ooh. And then it's the he- <clears throat> head underneath the toilet. Those two are already just and then homegirl gets after she gives you the the Sarah Michelle Geller or, mm-hmm. or or you think she's gonna make it mm-hmm. and and they also did it was kind of a scream comeback where the parents are walking up the driveway. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She's like mom and dad and then he picks her ass up and impales her. her. Um yeah that, I mean again I, I'm not like I wasn't super surprised by the the killings in like Fear Street because I guess I've been seeing this leading up because this like like for example, this film, like mm-hmm. th- there was, it was violent as fuck. Mm-hmm. It was very bloody. Like I-, I think almost every single death in this film is really nasty. I was gonna say the only one that I didn't really that it was more silly than violent was when he puts that girl in the cryo chamber. Yeah, that was stupid, yeah. and I wanted her to go out way worse than that. I did too. Yeah, she's sucked, but uh, that <laughs> that was kind of similar to the one annoying girl. She didn't even die; she just got put in an outhouse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I didn't. Um, I wasn't. Completely, I, again, I wasn't blown away by the character performances of Nyla and Josh. I got to be honest. Like, they have some moments, and mm-hmm. I really like how the friendship works. Mm-hmm. And mainly, you know, they, they live. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I feel like in a different movie done with different hands, they would not have survived. They would have been on the chopping block. They would have been fodder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I liked the fact that, I mean, they only ever were support you know, yeah. they were nothing but support. They didn't actually have internal they were, lives. They yeah. weren't actually characters unto themselves. But I did appreciate that they lived to the very yeah. end. And you know what? There were some genuinely very good moments. Like, I, I found all their banter between them to be very... It was very funny, very believable in, in a lot of ways. I just... Uh, you know, it just some of it felt very forced to me. Yeah. Well, there was a moment I feel like that um, was very self-referential when he's like, you're black, I'm gay, we're gonna die, you know? Yeah. I mean, and they had to do that. One of the gnarliest deaths in it was definitely the guy that was hitting on Josh. Mm. And then he was like, if you say anything, faggot, fucking kick your ass. I was like like, transported back to high school myself. Oh, yeah. It was just like, oh, wow. So original. (laughs) The amount of times I've been in a situation where the homophobic dude ends up turning out gay. I'm just like, you are so obvious. You are so uh, those who say that shit with their whole chest, they want to get it in the ass. Oh, so bad. <laughs> They're desperate for it. They want they want cock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when his ass gets hooked through the wall by mm. homegirl, homeboy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that shit is so good. And, good. you know, and anything that goes right, like hooks in the eye or anything in the eye is just didn't like it. I bet you didn't. I, I mean, I appreciated it, but I didn't like it. I know that. Yeah, I'm sure that made you squirm. <gasps> also, so what was the artifact that... That that knife that... Yeah, I forget the name of it. But, but it, in The Hot Chick, Angie Stone has so a bad. store in the Angie mall. Angie Stone yes. is in <laughs> She has a store in the mall where she has these earrings that do the same thing. <laughs> that, um, oh, what's her name? Homegirl from The Notebook and Mean... Mean Girls, the blonde one, um, she steals them and then Rob Schneider I'm, gets one and she gets the other and then they switch bodies. Amanda Seyfried? No, 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 no. I don't know. Uh, the, the main one. Anyway, oh, that chick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
they, all them blonde girls kind of muddled in my I mind. I like that that chick though, the the main mean girl, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, she, yes, I like okay. her. Yeah, yeah. You said the Notebook, and I immediately thought of uh, just not that, just another white girl movie. <laughs> this period piece, The Postman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think as characters, maybe not totally satisfying, but what I, like again, what I was encouraged by was that they lived to the end. The performances were great. They were really great. She did great, both being that wimpy girl and a homicidal maniac, and he did a great job as a homicidal maniac her, and a wimpy girl. Her friends did a great job supporting the, the, this out of the, a completely wacky situation, mm-hmm. whacked situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't blame the characters. I blame a bit of the writing. Mm-hmm. You know, but I do. I like the people playing these characters. I just think that there could have been more there. Mm-hmm. I just wanted some more depth. I think there probably was. What I'm what I'm starting to understand now is that th- that like studios and executives want it in a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. and so pages of dialogue get cut. Oh, Character yeah. development gets cut, yeah. like because if you're focusing on one person, if they don't have, if if it, tangentially it doesn't really have anything to do with the main character, that shit gets cut because mm-hmm. it has to be under a certain uh, like runtime, and there's money and there's you know people who want to make it on time and da 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 da, and it sucks because I want to see the director's cut. I want to see if there's anything we were missing from those characters, you yeah, know, yeah. because I feel like there was more there because I think they were played as by the actors, they were played as well as they could. But there might have been more backstory. Again, you don't need a whole lot of backstory, but it's just I wanted to understand. I I just I'm greedy. Give me what I'm asking for. Well, I did hear a rumor because like this was made by the same company by the same people as, um, and I think written by the same person did Mm -hmm. Happy Death Day to you. Yeah. And so there's talk of these two worlds merging in the future, like the Death Day series merging with the Freaky series. So we might see these characters again in the future. Which would be very smart. That's another example of, a, you know, great original horror coming out today is Happy Death Day. Um, but yeah, I would love to see these people show up in some other universe. That would be fucking dope. So thank you for listening to our Scream Queen this week. We wanted to say a quick shout out to Celeste O'Connor and Misha Oshirovic. Uh, y'all killed it overall in Freaky. Yep. You, you did You did what you needed to do. <laughs> I mean, you appreciate it. I am Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H-E-Y-T-E-E-B-S on Instagram because I've deleted Twitter. And I'm Drea Washington. Uh, you can find me at Hey Girl Hey. That's H-E-Y-G-R-L-H-E-Y. And we're produced by Kenya and Alex at Domino Sound. Brrrup. And in the scary movie of your life, you better scream, queen. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.